Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Good morning, Audacity Church. How many of you excited for New Series Sunday? Always my, uh, I'm as excited. Well, always one of my favorite times. Uh, every time we get to transition to something we believe that God wants us to hear, something new that God wants to impart to us, and uh, we're supposed to learn from. And uh, but anyway, if you're a guest here today, my name is Ronnie. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Thanks for taking some time out of your weekend. It's a holiday weekend, so we know you're saved and love Jesus, and you come to church on the holiday weekend. So thank you for being here. We're we really are glad that you're here. And uh, we hope that you're blessed today, not only by our worship, but by the teaching of God's Word. We believe that His Word doesn't need me to exegete or pontificate. It stands alone. But we as a body of Christ are unified as one, trying to learn how God wants us to apply His Word to our life and impacting the culture of the city of Tulsa, uh, where He has called us to. If you have a smartphone today and you want to go to audacitychurch.info, from your phone, it'll basically be one of these uh, leaflets. And there you can uh, follow along with us. You're a guest. It says new first time guest, so you can connect with us that way. There's also a place that says talk notes, and the talk notes will be up for a full week. It'll allow you to go through what we talk about today. You can do that. The other thing that uh, you can do today, if you think, you know what, am I really making a difference? Can I make a change just by showing up at church today? We would like for you to know that you can. Simply by going to Facebook and then checking in at Audacity Church, we are going to give a dollar for every check in to the International Justice Mission. We believe that it's a part of our responsibility to help end slavery. And so for every person that checks in, and if you're online today, you can check in as well. Just let us know you're watching online, and uh, we will make sure that that dollar goes to IJM. Which leads me to the last Sunday of this month is September 24th, I believe is the date, and that's Freedom Sunday. I want you to invite all of your friends. I think it's going to be a great day as we learn what it means uh, to play our part in fighting against modern slavery. There are more slaves now in the globe than there has been at any other time in history, and we want to do our part in trying to impact that and free people from uh, th- that kind of bondage. If you, um, have you ever been um, in a hurry when God was not? Like you're like, yeah, pastor, every day, right, you know, uh, I think that we all know what it's like to be waiting. Um, One of the reasons that we have chosen the doctor that our family goes to is because we don't wait in her waiting room. (laughs) It's one of the reasons we love her. If you're anything like me, you uh, maybe come to the point of losing your salvation anytime you're in traffic. Is that just me? You're like, God, do you even exist? And then... um, I know that we all have been in different times and seasons in our life where we really feel like we're waiting on God. Over the next several weeks, my job is to help teach you some lessons that God has taught me over the last four years and specifically a few months ago. But these lessons are, what do we do while we're waiting on God? If we have a responsibility as we are waiting, what is it that we do? We also want to learn some habits and some responses while we're waiting, because I understand when we're in this waiting room, that season and those seasons can be really hard to endure. On May 28th, it was a Friday, 
my mom calls me and she says, hey, uh, Ronnie, we're, we're headed home from Branson. She said, your dad is really sick. She said, I, I don't know what's going on. She said, uh, we're just trying to get him. We want him in Tulsa, so we're going to try to get back home. And uh, we're headed to the emergency room. I said, okay, Mom. I said, listen, we have some stuff going on tonight. I said, um, I already have plans with a, a new couple in our church. I said, but I'll, I'll come to the hospital as soon as it's over. And she said, I don't know. We probably won't be there. We'll just see what's wrong. She calls me a little bit later and says, hey, your dad's appendix is ruptured. Uh, the doctor doesn't even know how he's been standing for the last seven days. And uh, we're going to do, uh, he's going to have an emergency appendectomy right now. She goes, just get here when you can. I said, Mom, I'll, I'll, I'll be there as soon as I can. On the way, um, I get a text message that basically tells me I need to get to the hospital. And on the way to the hospital, there was a stop I had to make. And on the way to that stop, I get a, a phone call from my little brother, who's about six inches taller than I am. And he's more of a man's man. And uh, he's crying. My brother doesn't cry a lot. And um, I thought he was about to tell me that my dad had died. And I said, Randy, what's going on? He said, you need to get here. He said, the doctor said that dad's probably not going to make it through the night. And if he does, and he didn't give us a lot of hope for that, that dad would be in intensive care for the next two weeks, and uh, he'd have a long road to recovery. I'm almost 40. You know, my dad's um, always been pretty healthy. And in that moment, I remember how, how scared I was. But what I remember most about that night is who was sitting in the waiting room with my family from midnight to 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. Over the next nine days, and most of you that know the story, God did a miracle in my dad's life. We still don't know how, um, outside of the power of the Holy Spirit, God's, my dad, God spared my, my dad's life. Our leadership team allowed me to office out of the hospital. I canceled most of my meetings that week, and I had some meetings in the hospital lunchroom, which was awesome. People came that needed to see me, and for nine days, I lived at the hospital. The only time I went home was to sleep. And in that season, in those nine days, God started to download some things to my heart about how we feel when we're waiting on God, how we pray when we're waiting on God, and He showed me what he'd been teaching me for about four years as a church planter, trying to wait on the plan of God or the vision of God that he has put on my heart. And so, I've been working on this for you <laughs> for the last few months. It's dear to my heart because of the season that, that I was in when God downloaded some of these things. I don't want to sound over-spiritual like this happens to me all the time. It's really a few times a year I'll be driving and God will just download a whole series in my head or into my heart. It, maybe I'll be sitting by the lake. I mean, it, it doesn't have to happen often. But all I want you to know is these next five weeks, God has a very important word for your life. And I believe it will impact, I mean, the rest of your life on how you learn to what you and I perceive as waiting on God. There's a doctor in the first century, his name is Luke. Luke runs into a guy named Paul, and Paul was a, a religious professional. 
He was trying to squelch out this movement known as the way. He was doing everything in his power. He would imprison people who were following Jesus, and he even approved when people were murdered who followed Jesus. He has this radical transformation. Jesus actually speaks to Saul. Saul changes his name to Paul, spends the rest of his life until he's martyred, spreading the gospel of Jesus. Along the way, he runs into this doctor. This doctor's name is Luke, and Luke took the liberty, being led by the Holy Spirit, to give you and I two volumes, two books to reflect upon the works of Jesus. Many scholars believe that Paul, who later was martyred but had to go to Rome to defend himself, he became, um, he was arrested and then he was imprisoned for believing in Jesus. And whenever he was, as a Roman citizen, he would have to give court documents over to the Roman court in order to defend his case. Many biblical scholars believe that the gospel we know as Luke and the second volume from Luke known as the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit are these two volumes and they're divinely inspired to allow us to see not only the life and ministry of Jesus but also to see the birth of the new church. And the book of Acts focuses on two people, Peter and Paul. And so for today, you and I are going to pull some truths out of a couple of stories in the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles or if you want to open it up in our notes, you can go to audacitychurch.info and let's see what God wants us to learn. If you like to write things down, this will probably be the first or second most important thing I say today. When you are waiting on God, there is nothing more important than community. Nothing. So what about my prayer life? Very good, you need to have that community. What about me studying scripture? Yes, absolutely, very important, community. Community is the single most important thing that you need in your life any time, any season that you're awaiting. Jesus has died, he has been born, he has resurrected, he has spent 40 days with those who are following him. And then Jesus tells his followers to do something quite peculiar. Luke is writing to someone who's following the way named Theopolis, and he says this, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach in the first book until the day he was taken up and after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while they stayed with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say, but to wait. Very good. For the promise of the Father, which he had said, you heard me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Some of you have been following Jesus for a while. Some of you have just started following Jesus with all of your heart but you know what it's like to wait. Maybe there's a dream of a business that God placed into your heart. And you've, you feel like you've been waiting for the right timing, right resources to chase that. Maybe for some of you, you have a relationship that's been broken and you've been waiting for God to intervene, to mend, to restore that relationship. I don't want to stand up here as your pastor and tell you that waiting on God is easy. I'd be lying. It would be unfair. But waiting on God is possible to promise you this. Community. 
Because I can promise you this. You can be confident that God always keeps His promises. Now, we're a young church, so we're still figuring out whenever I say really smart and intelligent things and how you, as the church, are supposed to talk back and respond to me. Um, So I'm going to give you another chance because I am a man filled with grace and compassion and mercy and sarcasm and passive aggressiveness. No big deal. You can be confident that God always keeps His promises. We act as though God hasn't promised us things. Like God hasn't promised provision and direction and wisdom and hope and joy. We live as though this book is like a fortune cookie filled with suggestions on how to live somewhat of a good life when God is so desperately wanting to keep the promises of His Word in your life. So how did the apostles, how did this first group of believers wait on the promises of God? I'm so glad you asked. In Acts chapter 2, it's probably even on the same page in your Bible. It says this, Acts chapter 1, excuse me, verse 14. And with one accord, they were devoting themselves to prayer, devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter, everybody say Peter. Peter stood up among his brothers. The company of persons was about 120 in all. And he said, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before him by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who would become a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Did you see? They're they're biblical community. They're waiting on the promise of God to be fulfilled. And what are they doing? They are praying together and studying the Scripture together. That's what community does. There's nothing more important for you while you're waiting on God than to be in biblical community. God always keeps his promises. Now we can go to Acts chapter 2. It says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They're together again in community. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Can you imagine? Jesus has left. He's walked with them for three years. He's been by their side. He's taught them. He's demonstrated how to live as a king among a people, a king that that serves, a king that loves, a king that is compassionate, a king that meets needs. He's demonstrated to them how to live. And then he says, hey, it's better for you if I go away. And you're like, you're wrong. You're crazy. And Jesus says, but if I do go away, I'm going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, so He can guide, lead, teach you. Do you see what the apostles were doing? What the early church, there's 120 of them, what the early church is doing, they're obedient in community with the foundation of prayer and studying God's Word. If you want to endure the waiting room of life, And you want to do it successfully. There are so many friends that I have 
They get on the other side of the promise of God and they're filled with bitterness because God didn't do it the way that they thought he should. It tears me up. God is always working on us in the waiting room and he has told us the most important thing that we can do while we wait is to be in biblical community, praying together, studying the word of God together and being obedient to what the word of God asks us to do. I could be done today, but then you wouldn't feel like you got your money's worth. So how else do we wait in biblical community? We pray, we study, and we obey. It's not that complicated. When we live in biblical community together, when we do life together, it will lead to increased strength. It's probably 2 o'clock in the morning, and at this point, I'm emotionally, physically exhausted. I'm in the room with my family, and I don't try to carry a lot of weight as being a pastor. I'm a third-generation pastor, so I don't try to carry like I have to be somebody or have all the answers. For those of you whose life's waiting rooms I have been in with you, you know that I'm just there loving, being in community, encouraging you. And across the table is one of the leaders of our church, and one of my best friends for years was Josh Duell. He stayed all through the night with my family, just encouraged us. We were cracking jokes, trying to lighten the mood with a room full of people that were trying to pray and believe that our dad would make it through the night. When we're doing community together, You need to have somebody that's going to be in life's waiting room with you at 4 o'clock in the morning. Luke gives us another story in the book of Acts about two men named Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are on their way to church, and they see a demon-possessed girl that is a fortune teller. She's a slave. And as Paul and Silas are walking along, they heal her. They make her whole. She is released from demonic oppression. And her owners realized that Paul and Silas just took away their financial gain. Let's pick this story up. It's also in the book of Acts. You'll have to flip a few pages to chapter 16. But when her owners, picking it up in verse 19 saw their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore their garments off and gave orders to beat them with rods. And they were inflicted with many blows upon them and they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. All they did was help the girl that was a slave. All they did was help somebody get out of slavery. Did you notice that in the first century, the customs of the early Christians are looked at just the way they are in the context of our culture, American culture now? They practice customs that are not acceptable. You're like, well, pastor, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. You guys are filled with great questions today. 
in the first century, the early Christians were considered idolaters. Why? Because they only believed in one God. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody went to heaven except through Jesus. Well, that custom was just as unpopular then as it is today. So what did it cost Paul and Silas? Simply for believing in Jesus, they are stripped of their clothes and they are beaten with rods and then thrown into a dungeon in the innermost part of the prison. I want to, spoiler alert, they respond in the exact opposite way as I would respond. Picking it up in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Think seriously, Paul and Silas. When I am waiting, it's much easier for me to complain and moan and whine and have no faith, right? It's much easier for me to say, oh God, have you forgotten me than it is to sing and pray and worship. And I love how the Holy Spirit writes scripture because... Let me read this next sentence to you. It says, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. While the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once. He and all his family, when he brought them into the house, set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed God. There's always somebody watching how you respond in the waiting room. There's always somebody seeing how you will deal with hardship, setbacks. Paul and Silas are singing and praising God when they're in the middle of a prison, after they have taken a beating that I would define as unjust and unfair, and people are watching. People are watching you as you are waiting. And sometimes God allows you to wait so He can be glorified through you what other people are watching. I know that that isn't easy to hear. I know that that doesn't make the waiting any easier to endure. But dear friends, if we are followers of Jesus and we say, I die to myself so that you can live through me and I'll walk through wherever you want me to go. I'll be obedient to whatever you ask me to do. Just use me. Then we cannot, nor should we, be disappointed when God is making us wait because it might be bringing glory to Himself. You exist, I exist. As St. Irenaeus said, 
man, the glory of God is man fully alive. We exist to glorify the Father, and sometimes we glorify Him best while we are waiting. And here's the good news, the best news. Sometimes your waiting will lead to someone else's miracle. Sometimes when you're waiting on God to move, He is going to allow you to be a part of someone else's miracle. Sometimes when you feel like it is impossible to endure the season that God's providence and omniscience and love is allowing you to walk through, it's because it's not about you. You see the story? Paul and Silas are beaten and in prison. They decide that their response is going to be the complete opposite of mine. I would have tried to call fire down from heaven. God, just consume the jailer. Break me free. Am I the only one? Or did you do that? Okay. I felt a little guilty for a minute. Did you notice that worship is warfare? Did you notice that whenever you show up here on Sunday mornings and you choose to sing along with our team, that you choose to lift up your voice to the heavens no matter how you feel, no matter what you're walking through? Did you see what it leads to? It always leads to freedom. Always. Worship is warfare that will always lead to your freedom. Because what we do is we take what we are so focused on, the challenges of what we're enduring, and we correctly place our gaze upon the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And in that moment, we are free. And then God allows you to be a part of the miracle of someone giving their life to Jesus. Because of the way. I'm just letting you all know, as soon as those chains came off, deuces, I'm gone. I mean, I would have bolted out the door. In the first century, the jailer was responsible for the lives of every prisoner. And if one escaped, he would have been murdered. So instead of being publicly executed, he chooses to fall on his sword. And Paul says, whoa, bro, we're still here. Don't do it. And the jailer realizes that there's something different about how Paul and Silas are waiting because every other prisoner would have been just like me and they would have bolted. But not Paul, not Silas, because instead of trying to promote their own agenda, have their own way, they're being fully obedient to the timing of God as he's having them wait, and it leads to someone else's miracle. Sometimes, uh, while you're waiting, not only will you get strength by doing it in community, but it's so funny to me how in community, you could, your own faith will be strengthened. I remember listening to people say, hey, your, your dad just doesn't look that good. And I'm like, oh, he's on his way to being whole. You can, he can look however he wants. God's going to heal him. There were times I didn't believe what I was saying. But being around my friends and being in community and talking to my brother as we walked the halls of a hospital, my, my faith just began to be strengthened. And see, what happens sometimes is desperation will lead you towards your greatest miracle. Sometimes in the waiting, 
God will want to achieve something through you. Here's how my faith got strengthened. When I first began to pray for my dad, I just let God have the what for. I gave my heavenly father, my earthly father's resume. I began to tell God how wonderful of a pastor he has been for 40 years. I reminded God that I watched my dad for 20 years of ministry work two jobs so that he could be a pastor. I reminded God of how many hundreds of teenagers that my dad impacted as a youth pastor, and I was desperate. Here's what happened. My desperation led to a shift in identity. That's what happened. No longer did I remind God of all of my dad's works as he's lying there in intensive care. No longer did I tell God of, look at my dad's record. That's what religion requires of you. Should you be obedient to Scripture? Absolutely, but that does not save you. I shifted. My, my strength began to be bolder in my faith. And I said, God, this is your son. This is in whom you are well pleased. My dad follows you. You don't need his resume. He is yours. And you exist. So we exist so you can be glorified. So if you taking my dad to your presence glorifies you more than allowing him to lead on, live on earth, then I trust you. It's the hardest prayer to pray in a waiting room. It's the hardest prayer. Sometimes God allows you to wait because He is working just as much on you as He's working in the circumstances outside of you. He loves you. The Father loves you so much that He sent His only Son. He loves you. We look at the cross as a piece of jewelry. And it was a torture device. He loves you. Desperation can lead us quite often times to our greatest miracle. You see God using this over and over again as He's telling us a story about a people that He chose to start His story with in the nation of Israel. They would find themselves on the brink of something that seems impossible where without God intervening, they would have not been able to live. And in the waiting rooms of life, sometimes you have to wait for God to intervene. But while you're waiting, you can be a part of somebody else's miracle. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew um, as, as we're closing. I, I, I think this is important for you to hear. For those of you in our house that were raised in church, I pray that it was in an environment where you were encouraged to approach Jesus for your forgiveness, that you believed that Jesus is the 
propitiation. He took your place. But what happens when we fail while we're waiting? I believe passionately that you and I have the ability to pursue holiness. I do. I believe that you and I can live a life that is sanctified. But I am going to be honest with you. Sometimes as you are walking, as you are pursuing holiness, sometimes you might fail. What, what do you do when you fail while you're waiting? What do we do with that? How do we endure? We, we've, we've tried to wait in the prison like Paul and Silas, which leads to somebody else's miracle. And their response in that is to be in community, biblical community, biblical community. Without biblical community, you're an island of more than likely heresy. Living in biblical community. Then Paul and Silas are able to endure a beating. They sing and pray. And then Paul and Silas, their waiting led to somebody else's miracle. So what happens in those seasons when you're waiting on God to perform a miracle and, and you fail? In Matthew Chapter 14, it says this in verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said it was a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, Come, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked. Peter got out of, Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. And came to Jesus. But when he had saw the wind, he was afraid. When he took his eyes off Jesus in the waiting, he began to be fearful, and beginning to sink, he cries out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat, in community, they worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. This is what I love about Peter. Peter knew something, that if you will learn this simple fact about walking in mercy and grace and forgiveness, it will change your life. You, my friend, like Peter, have to learn to worship while you're wet. See, Peter walked on the water. Peter, I, I, I don't even get in too deep of water, much less going to like step out over into a boat. And Peter walks on water. He has the faith to walk on water. And then doubt creeps in. Peter gets back in the boat, soaking wet and drenched. And what does he do? Sometimes in the waiting room of life, you will have to learn what it means to worship while you're wet. 
sometimes in the waiting room of life as you're waiting for God to intervene, to answer that prayer, to give that miracle, to give that healing, to bless you financially, whatever it is to give you that right spouse, to make your annoying spouse more like Jesus, whatever it is that you're waiting on. Sometimes in the waiting, we have to learn that when we fail, when we make a mistake, that we know that our only response is still to worship. Do you remember who's leading the way in our first story? It was Peter. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is waiting. It's the Feast of Pentecost. He's being obedient to what Jesus asked, and 120 people are waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Peter is leading the way. You're wet. Peter knows what it looks like to worship while you're wet. Some of you are carrying your religious scorecard. And dear friend, when you hand that to Jesus, I am in dreadful fear that he might say, I don't know you. But look at my scorecard. I kept all of your rules. And he's like, yeah, you didn't love God, love people, and die to yourself. But, 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 but look, and Jesus is going to say, the only way you see the Father is through me not through your report card. Now, here's what happens. You have shame. You can't worship while you're wet. You feel condemned. Dear friends, the adversary, not the Holy Spirit, is the only one that uses shame, guilt. That's what he does. He's a liar. It's the only thing he can do. He can't do anything else but lie because the Bible says the truth is not in him. And so some of you are in this room and you're in the waiting room and you have some things that you've been dealing with and you've not been able to fully worship God because you're soaking wet. And this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Matter of fact, I'm just going to go ahead and call the team back up. This is how we're going to respond today. I want you just to worship. Worship while you're wet. Worship while you feel as though you can't do anything else. Maybe you're being right now, and you're like Paul and Silas, but your prison is your thought life. Your prison says you'll never measure up. Your prison says God couldn't ever forgive you of that. Your prison says you're not good enough. Your prison says your scorecard isn't clean enough. And I'm here to tell you today, it's not Jesus. Jesus was recklessly compassionate. Jesus was audaciously, pun intended, filled with grace and mercy. Each week at Audacity, we respond in keeping the words of Jesus. Jesus was looking around the table of his followers and he said, hey, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. He's talking about the feast of Passover. It's one of the reasons we do a Seder together every year. But how we respond is by remembering the great cost of what Jesus went through so that you and I could experience the love, the grace, the compassion, and the forgiveness of our King. Join your feet. Maybe this morning there is something that is weighing you down. Maybe there's something that not allowed you the freedom that you need to worship. And our altars are open.
if you'd like to come and kneel and just say, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just give this over to you. Maybe you're in bondage and there's an addiction that is crushing you. That the weight of it, you don't feel like you can even endure. This morning, I'm just going to ask you, come, take the bread. It represents the bruised and broken body of Jesus. The Bible says that all of our sickness, mind, body, and soul was placed upon the cross. Jesus shed his innocent blood so that you and I could be seen as righteous before the Father. And so we take the bread, we dip it in the blood, the juice, and we say, Jesus, today, I'm going to worship while I'm wet. Jesus, today, I'm going to be okay with the waiting because sometimes you're working on me. I'm going to be okay with the waiting because sometimes it might lead to somebody else's miracle. Jesus, today, I'm going to worship in biblical community and I'm going to follow you. So as you come, your heart is ready. We ask you to sing. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.